Hello, and welcome back to the Rebel Mama Hotline, a podcast for the rest of us. Today, we're asking, what's up with imposter syndrome? Where does it come from? And how do we shut it down? Typically, we do two topics per episode, but this one is a biggie, and I'm thinking we're going to need our whole entire episode time to break it all down. Yeah, there is a lot to cover, so (laughs) let's just get right into it. Our new book, Get Your Shit Together, we thought it was important to include a seemingly uncontrollable aspect of our lives, imposter syndrome, to not only better understand it, but to shut it the fuck down. Mm-hmm. So it comes up in our chapter on earning, and as we know, mindset plays a huge role in our earning potential, and our attitude towards ourselves is a big part of that. Absolutely. I think that the craziest thing about imposter syndrome, though, is who it affects. Typically, it's high achievers. Yeah, and how brutal is that? I mean, one of my favorite writers, Charles Bukowski, once famously said, the problem with the world is that the intelligent people are full of doubts, while the stupid ones are full of confidence. I mean, that just nails it for me. (laughs) Yeah, I think that about sums it up. So we discovered that this phenomenon actually has a name Mm. during some of our preliminary research on the book. So at the time, we basically just took a deep dive into every Forbes article ever written about women and money. And we landed on one about imposter syndrome. And immediately I was intrigued. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Because it's so empowering to be able to label something and define it. So important to how we understand ourselves and our relationship with the world, right? Totally. So let's start with the definition then. In Get Your Shit Together, we describe imposter syndrome as a phenomenon that occurs among high achievers and reflects a belief that you're inadequate or incompetent despite clear evidence of the contrary. People experiencing imposter syndrome often attribute their accomplishments to luck rather than to ability and view themselves as frauds, especially among their colleagues. Mm. This phenomenon is real, people. Mm -hmm. It is diminishing, it's frustrating, it's inhibiting, and spoiler alert, it affects women, of course, specifically women of color, at a much higher rate than it does men. Shocking. Very shocking. (laughs) So Dr. Valerie Young is the current expert on the topic. And she categorizes people who suffer from imposter syndrome into five subgroups. Are you ready for them? Mm -hmm. So first, there's the superwoman. She takes on too much work and is addicted to validation. Then there's the natural genius. This person sets incredibly high standards for themselves and has a hard time when those are not met. There's also the soloist who refuses assistance from anyone and is therefore susceptible to burnout. Raise his hand. Yeah. (laughs) There's the expert, the person who endlessly seeks information to avoid seeming inept, which actually may prevent them from doing the things. And then there's the perfectionist who always thinks they could have done better and refuses to celebrate any victories. So which one do you think you resonate with the most, babe? (laughs) Wow. As you know for sure already. All of the above. (laughs) Yeah. I would definitely say perfectionist slash soloist. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always believed if you're going to do something, you have to do it right. And that goes for everything. I hate half-assed 
anything, whether it's parenting or things around the house, even if it's like a recipe, it's got to be done right. Yeah. And I've always had this approach that if you want it done properly, you got to do it yourself. Um, luckily in business, I'm pretty safe because I have you, babe. Bless. <laughs> An equally A-type personality, which helps. But I have learned to let people help me now, even if it's not up to my crazy standards. But I do still fall into overthinking some things after they're done and wondering if they could have been done better. Um, so that's kind of like what I'm trying to stop doing. Uh, yeah. Luckily, I have no issues celebrating small victories, at least. I mean, that's a good thing. We, we do do that. Um, but how about you, babe? How does imposter syndrome rear its ugly head in your life? Do tell. As a fellow Virgo definitely the perfectionist and the soloist rings true mm-hmm. uh, I've always been very independent which is great until it's not <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> you can't do it all sometimes you know no but I mean we sure do try don't we yes we do um, but just like you I think that our working relationship has really taught me the benefits of sharing a workload equitably with somebody But, you know, I think that the reason why I was so intrigued by this idea of imposter syndrome, especially during the research phase of our book, was because I was definitely dealing with thoughts of, like, what the fuck qualifies me to write a book about (laughs) finance while I was doing that research and reading those things? But, you know, the tips that we give in our book actually did help me to overcome those feelings. And I just had to, like, keep reminding myself that I am a qualified writer Um, I have a degree in it. I have hundreds of clippings in my writing portfolio. I'm a best-selling author. Um, So while I may not be a finance expert, I know that I'm qualified to deliver information. Yeah. And that was the mission of this book at the end of the day, was just to deliver that valuable information in the most easy-to-consume way possible so that it could reach as many people as we could. So. Yes, I have to just keep reminding myself that I am qualified to do that, actually. Yes, babe, you certainly are. That degree is getting put to good use, you see? Yes, finally. But no matter whether you identify as a superwoman or a natural genius, soloist, expert, or perfectionist, the common denominator here is definitely self-doubt, something that can have an all-encompassing effect on our personal and professional lives. Doubt as we know, comes with a ton of worry and it's a disaster for productivity. Like how can you truly get anything done when you're so busy obsessing about all the details, right? And we know that all too well, of course, and we've had to, you know, stand back a little bit. Yeah, that's just the thing. You really can't get anything done when you're busy obsessing over everything. So that's a huge reason why it is so important to identify and address our own tendencies toward imposter syndrome. Um, And then it helps us unlock our potential, right? Mm -hmm. So we reached out to our friend, Dr. Andrea Gelinas, to chime in on what she's learned about imposter syndrome as a woman in the male-dominated field of dentistry. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to know what she does to overcome it. So here is what she had to say. The first time that I heard about the imposter syndrome was during the first quarantine and I took a continuing education course and I remember just feeling like my head explodes through the course as they were going through the different types, you know, the perfectionist, the superhero, the expert. It just like, I was like, oh my God, can you be all of them? Is that possible? I definitely feel like 
it has gotten me professionally to the place where I am. However, there is a very fine line that has to be drawn. Otherwise, the overthinking and the overanalyzing and the questioning of the self-worth and all of those things become very destructive. And it's very easy for it to turn kind of into that destructive zone. And I notice it within myself professionally, and I notice it as a mother as well. So what I've decided to do, my kind of strategy is that I have a handful of people that I keep really close that I trust, that when they can see that I'm teetering into that overanalyzation phase, they just help me nip it in the butt, and then I make a decision to move on. Otherwise, you feel like it is just so much time wasted spinning your wheels for the same things over and over again and in the end it just ends up being not productive and it makes you crazy so uh, that would kind of be my advice is if you can find kind of a few people that you can keep in your force field to help you hone in on that decision making process so that you don't keep going in circles it's helpful She's so right. The qualities that lead to imposter syndrome are so often the ones that lead us to success as well. So it really is about finding that happy medium. Also, finding the right people to seek advice from is definitely key. I personally am so grateful to have Dr. Julianus in our corner. And honestly, she's the best dentist I've ever had. So if you need a dental experience upgrade, check out Jelena's dental studio for sure. So what can we do to address it? We have some ideas. You can seek reassurance from someone who has witnessed your growth, friends, coworkers, even teachers and mentors who have a unique perspective and can help you mark your progress using tangible benchmarks. And, you know, when you're talking to your friends and your coworkers and you have those honest relationships with them, they'll tell you the truth. And sometimes you need to be praised a little bit to believe it yourself, right? Yeah, totally. And get comfortable with that too. Mm -hmm. Get comfortable with the accolades. Yeah. Um, You can also grab a pen and (laughs) jot down a list of your skills as well as the areas that you would like to improve. And this exercise is useful because it shows you where there is legitimate room for improvement so that you can stop walking around thinking that you're you know, generally unqualified or walking (laughs) around in this like not good enough cloud all day long, you can say, no, I'm actually great at these things. And here's where I could improve. And then you can, you know, focus your energy. Yeah, of course, practice makes perfect. So you have to practice these things. But another thing you can try is you can try your hand at teaching. Mentoring and educating others is a great way to illuminate your skills and knowledge to yourself. At the end of the day, the more you see yourself in a positive light, even by the way of your peers, is less like you'll fall victim to your own mind fuckery, which can be very real, especially now when we're all home by ourselves. Yes. And there's another thing that you can do to avoid limiting your potential. You can channel your inner Chad. I love this. I love this too. In other words, move about the world with all the confidence of a mediocre white guy. I'm going to let the everybody let that sink in. <laughs> But the idea of what would Chad do is a brainchild of the hilarious and amazing Vivian K. If you're not following her on Instagram, you must. She's a three-time successful entrepreneur turned business coach who you may know as the entrepreneur expert on CityLine with Tracy Moore. Here she is to explain the concept of Chad and offer practical tips on how to put it into practice. 
First of all, Chad isn't a specific person. It's not meant to bash men or diminish anyone's accomplishments. But you do know his archetype. He's that mediocre guy who's doing all the things he has no business doing. But he's doing them because the system is set up for his success. Because of this setup, that gives him the audacity. He's that guy whose confidence always overshadows your expertise. And that's what we need. The audacity. So for me, Chad is really a mood, a vibe, a mindset, an energy. What would Chad do is meant to help you to immediately dismiss any negative or self-limiting beliefs that pop into your head when you're trying to do the big things in life. If you're doubting your qualifications or too shy to ask for more money, or you're even afraid to speak up, just ask yourself, what would Chad do? And then do just that. Oh, I just love this perspective. It's so <laughs> And the good. action plan, like, it's so good. I think I'm just going to start doing it all the time. It is so good. Okay, so Vivian also has amazing what would Chad do merchandise, and we will link it in our stories when we put this out. But, like, <laughs> you might just need that on your coffee mug or on your sweater or your notebook or whatever it is to serve as a reminder. And she has created the merch to help you do that. So we'll link that for you. It's amazing. It's just, it's too good. Well, like imagine every every woman put that into play, right? Yeah. Just ask yourself, what would Chad do? <laughs> okay, but self-awareness aside, we'd be doing women a disservice if we ignored the fact that a doubt-filled internal dialogue is actually a logical response to a world that was not designed for women to succeed in professionally to begin with. Compounding microaggressions enacted towards women, especially Black, Indigenous women of color, in both school and work environments, create a false narrative that we're inferior. It's not an idea that we're born with, but it's one that we internalize over time. Mm -hmm. This is definitely something that Chad has no problem with. No. (laughs) (laughs) While we must take responsibility for ourselves, of course, our mindsets and our actions, we cannot let ourselves fall into the trap of believing that the root of the problem is women's refusal to believe in themselves. It runs a hell of a lot deeper than that. Oh, yes, it does. But before we jump into what society as a whole can do to correct all of this, let's take a short break. Yes, let's. Empowering you with information and financial literacy is one way we can beat the system. Pick up a copy of Get Your Shit Together and Get Your Mind and Money Right. It's available anywhere books are sold, but check with your local retailers first. Ebooks and Audible also available. All right, let's get back into it. Yes, and let's talk a bit about gender equity now, because if we want to see imposter syndrome disappear for working women, that's actually what we need to be setting our sights on. So what is the status of the genders in North America these days, Alex? Women today are living in a new world of female power and independence. It's amazing. We're busting through glass ceilings, we're rewriting old rules, we're creating new opportunities, and we're expressing ourselves physically, sexually, and intellectually in ways that we've never seen before. But look just below the surface and you'll find that under all of this lie the same conventions around mating and marriage that were popular in the 50s. 
like, what's up with that? It's 2020. I know. It's actually 2021. (laughs) (laughs) What is time anyway? Whatever. That's for another podcast. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I think that the problem is that this balance that we're all attempting of having a domestic life and a professional and public life is a relatively new phenomenon. And as a result, we're still grappling with these antiquated biases that result in heavier workloads for women in general and moms specifically. Okay, so here are some stats. 75% of women in a heterosexual two-parent American household are likely to contribute to household finances. And 22% of women are the breadwinners. Great, but we're still spending almost twice the amount of time that men do 14 hours a week on childcare and house chores, while fathers use that time dun, 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 for hobbies and relaxing. What are those <laughs> things? That's weird. I'm that not sure. Like fun. <laughs> so basically, what we're failing to do as a society right now is to draw a line connecting statistics that Alex just mentioned with the fact that women are burning out at alarming rates. We are medicated, we're depressed. As a demographic, we're underrepresented in all of the top earning and most powerful positions in corporate, scientific, as well as the political world. We're also the most vulnerable majority out there at 51% of the population. (laughs) What a good time to be alive. But before you start thinking that this is an environment where men, by comparison, should be thriving, you got to think again, because as a group, men are actually grappling with the unfortunate legacy of male toughness. They have the highest rates of suicide and the highest propensity toward gun violence. They are under immense pressure to provide materially for their family, and they are often denied opportunities to be more nurturing toward their children and partner. Yeah, so basically, all of this machismo is causing them to miss out on enriching bonding experiences with members of their families, and that's simply not healthy for anybody. No, that's just terrible. And it seems like we're all failing each other. We've created an environment in which everybody's just surviving and nobody is thriving. Yeah, so this is going to require a huge system overhaul, and we're all going to have to participate in it. So... What can we do to change the future outcomes for ourselves, our men, and our kids? How can we create equitable environments at home and at work so that everybody can thrive? Here's a short list from our book. All right, so here's what moms can do. Stop gatekeeping. Make space for dads to do more. How? By doing less. Yes. Be honest about the realities of motherhood to expand people's understanding of the experience. Accept help from friends and loved ones. When able, offer help to friends and loved ones too. Partake in historically male tasks. Nikita's great for this and I love her for it. Fixing things around the house, yard work, grilling. I love gardening too. And encourage your partner to explore historically female tasks. Household cleaning, cooking, caretaking. Sometimes to see the change, you have to be the change. Amen, sister. But what can dads do now? While they can take advantage of parental leave, they can stop believing that women do the majority of care work because we want to, because we don't. (laughs) (laughs) They can ensure leisure time is afforded to their baby mamas. 
studies show that people who have more leisure time and time for creative activities tend to perform better at work. So this is an important thing. And pet better parents too. I mean, if you're yes. fulfilled and you're happy, you're, you're better all around. Exactly. Dads can derive self-worth not just from their job, but also from how well they raise their kids. Mm-hmm. They can stand up for the women in their workplace, call out biases, and stop harassment when they witness it. I think this is so important. This is so important. They can police themselves when teaching their kids about the roles of men and women in society, as well as modeling positive roles, right, too? Mm. Like, you know, what you do is so much more important than what you say. And they can become positive role models for other men by showing that caring for themselves and for the well-being of others is a human trait, not just a feminine trait. And it's actually a trait to be fucking proud of. Yeah, and I think there are men coming out of the gates now. The new dads are definitely sort of a different breed. And I think that's because the moms are a different breed now, too. Yes. So they are exploring that side. We recently opened a Rebel pop-up private group, and they're very encouraging and supportive to each other. And they're definitely involved in the caregiving. And it's really nice to see. Yeah, and men need to forge those relationships, you know, and that needs to be normalized as well. Like, they need love and support and friendship and all these things that women need. Like, we need all that support to get through motherhood, and we want them to help us 50-50 in parenthood. Then they're going to need that support to get through fatherhood, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what can society do? Oh, the big one. Just society as a whole. We're Just talking society. to you. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking to you, society. Just that really slow moving society. <laughs> That's okay. Well, society can value caregiving and child raising more. After all, it's how we shape the future of society and this planet. Like we're all about, you know, that child care needs to kind of become a universal thing, right? I mean, we see our friends in the US and they're struggling. Yeah. Society can implement paid leave policies that provide both maternity and paternity leave. Ensure paternity leave is non-transferable so that men are more likely to take advantage of it, reducing the gender differences in labor force and participation rates. By the way, that already happens in Quebec. Oh, amazing. So like if you're thinking that's not possible, well, it is because it's already happening. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Mic drop. (laughs) Another thing society as a whole can do is reduce gender stereotyping in childcare and related household responsibilities, which I think is super important too, because it's so easy to fall into those old school traditional roles. And you're only, you know, repeating what your parents taught you. But I think policing yourself and really thinking about what you're saying is very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. It's so easy to just fall back into the cycles that you're familiar with. But Mm -hmm. when you take a step back to consider whether those cycles are working, it kind of highlights the importance of making that effort to make a change and modeling change. Okay. So we're not done with what society can do because society (laughs) has a lot of fucking work to do. Um, It can stop rewarding men financially when they become dads and punishing women financially when they become moms. Brutal. Just brutal. Um, We can quantify the value of unpaid domestic work, embrace transparency surrounding salaries. We can embrace flexibility in work schedules. So this culture that we have of this like, oh, if you work, the more hours you work, the better employee you are is never going to work for an employee that has to balance care work and professional work. And hopefully if we can get to a point where everybody is balancing those things, men and women, 
um, employers will know that they cannot do things like demand overtime mm-hmm. work. So. Well, I think at least the one silver lining of the pandemic and stuff has shown employers how productive employees can truly be working from home. And they've yeah. also, you know, shown the employers what juggling that family life looks like too, with two working parents and your kids at home and virtual learning. Like it's just brought everything up to the surface. So I truly do hope they're paying attention and things will move in the right direction and things will change. Otherwise we're going to have to march on into the government and, you know, (laughs) change it ourselves. It's important. I mean, we, we broke down what moms can do and what dads can do. And those are the things that we can start doing right now. Like we don't have to wait for society to do Mm -hmm. these things in order to move forward. And I think that when society does, and when things are written into legislation, that's when we're really going to see a big push, but it's going to take like, you know, a thousand little pushes from a lot of thousands of little pushes um, from all of us to break the cycle but let's do it yeah and if we're all collectively changing and moving in the right direction then things will happen we just gotta make sure everybody hears this episode (laughs) yes and then when all that happens is when you're gonna see imposter syndrome go away yes well we hope this episode has helped you define some of the attitudes towards yourself that may be holding you back from reaching your full potential imposter syndrome is a bitch and it has no place in your life we should do everything we can to counter these thoughts when they float into our heads and remember what vivian told you what would chad do yes we also hope that we've helped you understand where these false narratives even come from and what needs to happen moving forward to create a world where in the subliminal messages women receive tell them that their potential is infinite i love that Thank you so much for tuning in and huge thanks again to Vivian Kay and Dr. Jelinas for chiming into this week's conversation. Be sure to keep up with both of them on Instagram at it's Vivian Kay and at Dr. Andrea Jelinas or at Jelinas Dental Studio respectively. Until next time, guys, thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and share with your mom crew. Spread the good word. See you next week. The song you're listening to is called Name a Number off the debut album Unrequited by Roshan. Stream it now on Apple Music.